Happy Wednesday afternoon, beautiful afternoon out there. Go outside and get some of that vitamin D while we still got it. Um, I had some blood tests on a couple weeks ago. Counsel, good to have you back. Good to be back. My Ed McMahon is back. Yes, I am. Um, I feel I'm looking. I'm here looking at. I guess I feel like I'm playing uh, Celebrity Jeopardy here. I'm all alone, and you three are lined up. So I'm going to ask, um, what about mosquitoes for two hundred? No, that's <laughs> later. That's later. So, um, so we have some special guests from the state. I'm going to introduce them momentarily. But we're going to start with our COVID update. And I'm going to give you a couple things that you probably want to hear and a couple things you don't want to hear. Um, but as usual, you can ask questions online. So welcome to everybody who's watching. Uh, I feel like a whole new man because last week the superintendent came back and now I have my my uh, Ed McMahon back. So I feel whole, uh, <laughs> reinvigorated. So let's do the COVID numbers and, and kind of go through the charts quickly if we can. Um, so to the charts. Here we go. Thank you. Uh, so up to 82, 63 new cases of COVID this week. So the arrow's written down. That means a downward trend for the city. Keep going. We've got lots of chests. So this, I'm going to take some time here. You're going to love this, Council. So um, I'm going to try to dispel some urban legends that are out there, uh, but also address some facts. Um, so, the city of Methuen, we have our police chief finalists. There's going to be a special meeting called the 24th of August. I don't know if you heard that yet. I know we were talking about, there was a lot of stuff tabled for yeah. the last meeting, and we, the last thing we want to do is have a long meeting on this. Correct. So, yeah. let's meet, since we only meet once in August, and let's try to bang out a bunch of you stuff and be ready so, for Labor Day. So, uh, we're going to bring the two final candidates for the police chief to the city council, and then I will uh, nominate my appointment for the September meeting. And, and that's an important step for our community and for all of us together. And I, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, when you get down on the right, conspiracy theories, I'm going to talk about that. Um, the collective bargaining agreements, we're making great progress in the city. So there's another five that uh, I believe we have over the goal line, uh, which would leave only patrol and supervisors, uh, excuse me, su superiors, and superiors, you know, we're in arbitration. Uh, patrol we're negotiating with now, those are the only ones that wouldn't be done from the city and school side. That's really good news. That's a really focused approach. So kudos to the superintendent and to uh, my negotiating team, the lawyers, uh, HR, uh, Maggie, our uh, CAFO, outstanding job. Um, last city council meeting, the capital improvement plan year one bond was approved by the city council. That's a $9 million bond. That is a very important thing for the city. Um, I, I don't want the residents to panic, so we know what we're doing there. That's to replace our police cruisers. Um, probably next week we'll, we'll do a little bit more on the debt again, because I'm going to remind you there's a difference between good debt and bad debt. Uh, bad debt is overrunning your budget, which is illegal in the state of Massachusetts. Good debt is planning and um, getting another ambulance, uh, fixing the roof of the CGS, replacing 2017 police cruisers. That is good debt. And we're going to talk about that and how the financial analysts see it. Um, Don't forget to dump the, the trucks so we can bring leaf pickup in-house as well. That's right. That's there. So you know what the biggest issue, I'm glad you bring that up. You know what the biggest trouble is going to be with that truck is when we get it. So to find bodies to I'm going to say it? this. I got a thing in the mail for, uh, I own a pickup truck. I don't know if I have a, my personal vehicle is a pickup truck. I got a thing in the mail that they want to buy it back for more than I paid for it. And so I said, well, what do I get? They said, well, we don't have trucks to give, new trucks to give. So the 
kind of the dodge here is I think one of the things that people have not heard a lot about is uh, the new car availability is is dropping. There's a huge chip shortage. Yeah, now they, they, you can see you can find lots down in like Kentucky in those plants. Correct. Thousands of cars right. that are completely assembled, ready to go, but because they don't have the chip, they can't right. they can't get off the right. lots. So, so as a result, they're looking for my pickup truck. What does that mean to you, the residents? It just means uh, we may have to lease a truck in the short term, right? Because there may not be vehicles to be had. But we are out aggressively pursuing that. And then I'm going to touch the third line, uh, wire here. Uh, so back to school, to mask or not. So uh, I want the whole community to know I am getting your emails. So in the last two days, I must have 500 emails. And I'm going to be right up front with you. Five, uh, 50% of them say, please, Mr. Mayor, make everybody wear a mask back to school. And the other 50% say, please, Mr. Mayor, no mask mandate for our schools. Well, I, I know yeah. I was watching your blog. Well, I, I was listening to the school committee meeting, yeah, and I, 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 I was trying to watch it here, and it was all the colored bars. But um, I heard the discussion. There will be no decision. I think August twenty third is your August twenty third. Will be discussed, August, right? And right. I guess I, I'm I'm not. So I'm not relinquishing. So I, I'm going to make the decision that I personally believe is is the safest for our community, right? And I. Hey, I'm sitting here telling you, I know based on the emails, I'm getting 50% will be unhappy whether I just go one way or the other. Right? But all I'm telling you is I'm looking at the statistics 16 ways to Sunday. Yes, I know that there are less serious consequences to the current impact of the Delta variant here in Methuen. Does that continue forever? Or is there seriousness for our school children? Um, that's what we got to cut through. I guess my point to you is the decision needs to be non-political. It needs to be made for what's safest for our teachers, for our custodians, for our children, period. And I do understand that that's going to make some portion of our population unhappy. But we're going to make that the 23rd, and we're looking at the data heavily until that time. Just right. so you know. And Go then ahead, please. a survey went out. I it did two days ago as well. So yeah, I will be parents- honest and say I, I was not really, you know, I debated whether I should say something in the school committee meeting and say I, a survey is probably going to come back. Council saying fifty percent yes, fifty percent no. But but that's a way I, for that's a way for the parents to at least have a voice, be able to fill yep. out that form. One you know it comes down to you have an opinion one way or the other. Let your voice be heard. Fill out the survey. Please. Yep. Don't just dis- disregard the email then be upset in two weeks. Yep. Have your voice heard. Make sure you fill yep. out that survey and get it in. Yep. And then the last thing on the good side is plan, don't panic. So uh, um, this is something I stole from Mayor Fiorentini, and I'll admit that up front. Um, so our number's on the rise. So we should be planning, not panicking. Right? Um, and as you know, Councilor, um, you know, to sit here and say we have 63 new cases a week, it's hard for me to say that's a, a good week. It's still not anywhere near what we've experienced in the recent past here, right? But I think the plan, don't panic approach says we, we've got to get our vaccine numbers up, right? So again, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep telling you that uh, we've got to protect those that aren't vaccinated, our most vulnerable populations. Uh, in the city of Methuen, we've got to get our vaccine rate up because even the people that are eligible, we're we're trailing the state. And I don't know where you two live, but we're we're 10% off the state average in Methuen, right? And that's significant. Um, so we've got to keep encouraging, right? And we're looking at ways to do that. The not so good, the trends, I'm not going to, all in the wrong direction. So we doubled our incident rate 
uh, in the last week, and our cases went from 45 to 63. So in three weeks, we've gone from 11 to 45 to 63. That's troubling. Of the 63 new positives, seven were fully vaccinated. No Moderna, six Pfizer, and one Janssen. I don't know if that means anything, right, other than that's the data associated with it. Last week, we had 11 breakthrough cases. There was some Moderna. So, I, I, you know, I'm a Moderna recipient. It doesn't mean I should celebrate because nobody, you know, get the breakthrough on Moderna. It just means for this one week in time, it bears uh, watching as a data threat. And then the last thing is conspiracy theories. So, um, you know, Methuen, you got to love it. I've lived here all my life, and I do love it. And that's why I'm doing this job. Um, and there are many nights when I go home, and I'm sure you do too, Counselor, and I say, would my life be far simpler if I just didn't do this? Um, and so I'm going to talk about the So, um, you know, we had a pretty extensive process with our police chief. Um, I did not interview in the first two rounds. I did the final round interviews this week with the acting police chief, uh, Tom McEnany, and he and I were uh, in 100% agreement when we interviewed the candidates. And we're going to bring two of those candidates to the city council for the city councils to talk to on the 24th, as we said before. Uh, but for those of you out there that are going to say, hey, the fix is in, we have at it. Right? I'm not, I'm not going to, that's simply not the truth. Right? All I care about is picking the best candidate for the city of Methuen, the chief who can drive this community forward, who can drive this police department forward, and address some of the issues that we've experienced in the past. And it's really that straightforward. Right? No interview process is without the human element. Right? So uh, the candidates that go before, before council have been questioned probably 75 questions they've answered each. Right? Related to police reform, related to internal affairs, related to um, you know scenarios. What would you do in this situation if this happened? Right. Some of them pertaining to things that happened. What would you do if somebody falsified their timesheet? What would you do if somebody, you know, was DUI, was an officer? What, how would you react to it? Those are the kind of questions that they were asked. They were also asked questions about budget and things like that, and how they communicate more effectively with the community. So one of the things I'm looking for, just so you know, in this, this role is a police chief is going to embrace being an active part of the city's government um, and embrace the community and kind of communicate to the, to the citizens all the things that are important, even the things that aren't that good. Right? So one of the things we do on, on this show, and not that I'm petting, is we talked about the things that are good and the things that are not so good. Well, I want a police department that does that too. Right? If we've got trends whether they're crimes or, or statistics that the citizens need to be aware. If we've got one part of the city that we've got to, you know, if the West End needs to be focused because there's a specific kind of crime that's happening there more regularly, that's something that should be communicated out, right? And there needs to be a mechanism for that. And that's literally all I care about, right? Personalities aside, because this job, this person is going to out, I don't want to say outlive, but outlast me. Right, because I'm here for another two years, and then I'm going to move on. Right, and so this four. police chief is going to be here a while. Four. Yeah, what'd you say? Maybe four years. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're so, um, you know, when people and I get it, when when people get eliminated from the process that others wanted to get the job, I get it. You know, it's not your personal choice, but um, don't jump to the conclusion that the process is flawed. 
right? We're, we're trying to do the best thing for the Simitor. All right, let's wrap these up so I can go to my mosquito people. I hate to say that, mosquito people. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, distribution by sex there, you can see the men are gaining on the women in the city, right? Will they catch? I don't know. Still about 300 off. And then if you go to the next slide, by age, that's over the life of the pandemic. So only one had zero growth this week, and you're going to see that in the next chart. That was the 60 to 69. So we had 61 total new cases, even though I put 63 down below. Bad math on my part. So um, we had zero in the 60 to 69, right? But you can see 18 in the under 19. So what we're, do what we're actively doing, and I'm not prepared to talk to you about it today because I want to focus on our topic today, uh, before the 23rd school meeting. So next week when I come, we're going to talk about the under 19 cases in a little bit more detail. What's the level of, of disruption? Meaning how sick did they get? Were they hospitalized? Uh, what's the impact, etc.? And I say that because, you know, some of these things aren't completely known. I'm still struck by um, a lot of the feedback that Dr. Fauci got when we first did the mask, and I'm not trying to raise a political thorn here. You know, if you remember, the CDC originally said, you don't have to wear a mask unless you're sick. And then there was a switch to masks, and people said, aha, you know, there it is. They're already switching on us. And I think one of the things we have to recognize as a community is sometimes the data changes, and it tells us different things that we have to adapt to. And we've become, and I think I've said this before in the show, we've become more of a, a takeout society where we want, here's the problem, here's the solution. Right? And sometimes when you're talking about viruses and things like that, and maybe even mosquitoes, the answer is not like A plus B equals C, right? There is a multitude of events that you need to talk about. So next chart is the incident rate. Uh, you can see that the state has abandoned the colors, but you can definitely see an upward slope again. So we were at 4.4 incident rate last week. We're at 8.4 this week. That is the highest since uh, May 5th. May 5th. So, excuse me, uh, June, June 5th. Sorry. All right. And then the testing and positive rates, um, you know, again, an upward trend. So we're at 1.9% positive last week. We're at 3.1. So... Do you stop everything you do? No. Um, you double your efforts, right? Uh, I'm back to wearing a mask. I'm a 63-year-old health-compromised male. Um, so I'm back to wearing a mask when I go into crowds. I most probably, when I go to um, city council the next time, you'll see me with a mask. Um, that doesn't mean you have to. Uh, but the CDC guidance is if you're indoors um, and you're compromised or unvaccinated, you should be wearing a mask, right? So we're trying to follow and lead by example. All right, the three-city comparison, everybody, the feedback I got is May, you, you, you completely focused on Havel. I am because of the similarity in numbers. Uh, you can see Havel had 68 cases over the last um, two weeks, Methuen at 63, Lawrence at 104. Um, still a lot better than it was during the peak, but showing some slight degradation. Right, and then the last chart is um, uh, our rate, which is up from 1.9 percent, as I said, up to 3.17, concerning to the mayor. Right, and and I go back to the schools. I'm going to make any kind of decision I can make, 
and I'm just one voice of the school committee. I'm not the decider, right? But I'm going to make the decision that keeps us in school. And I hope you walked away from last year saying, we need to be in school. I think we learned that last year. Right? This, it was a roller coaster last year. We need to be in school. And we need to do whatever's the best for our teachers, our staff, and our students to be in school. And that's the decision that we're going to make in the end. Can I say something on that? Please as well? do. So I work in a school, I've been in meetings about the. Just so everyone knows, like the state is pretty much punted yeah. on this school year. They pretty much said, here are some recommendations. You figure it out. You yeah. decide what you're going to do. So that way now they're taking themselves out of the equation. And if you decide to do something, if you decide to go with a mask mandate for everybody with K through 6, no masks, it's all going to come back onto those local boards. And I watched the meeting the other night, and I know there was discussion, well, was it done at the city council? Somebody mentioned about does the city council make that decision, not the school committee. So... There might be a lot of passing the buck here, trying to sure. sit, people afraid to make those not make that decision. Yep. But it comes down to that's why, you know, when we ran for these positions, that that's part of the course. We're, you know, we're going to listen to our constituents. We're going to take the science into you know into yeah. account as well and make the most educated decisions we can when it comes to mass policies. Couldn't and, agree with you more. And sure. Sarah Marie said, so you guys are new to the program, people. Right in during the show, and we have to read the questions, so you'll get a million mosquito questions. Um, I've got one, right? said, six little kids in one household family I know, all tested positive. This is what happens in big families. I feel like numbers should go by household, too. I couldn't agree with you more, Sarah, right? And that's one of the slices we're going to give you next week, right? We can't give you street addresses because that, it, but we're going to talk right. about number of families impacted. Right, because right? when you have nine, so the under-19 number was the, was the largest number. Yeah, but if a third of those came from one household, that Correct. kind of skews the number a little it bit. It absolutely does, right? All right, um, all right. I got two more quick. So I wanted to show these are the ones I showed last week um, that my executive assistant kind of left me high and dry. Uh, these are the state charts. This is where we get the numbers. So this is the interactive dashboard that the state has out there that the mayor goes to every week, uh, and you should too. And that's the reason I'm showing it. So when you're looking at these numbers on the charts, I'm just pulling them down uh, off this really great Tableau tool that the state created. Right? So you can go out. This is out on mass.gov. And you can look at the interactive dashboard any day. It's updated every day by 5 p.m. Right? So kudos to the state for that. I know we do a lot of bashing, but this is really excellent. And then another thing is, um, so to your data point, Council, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so this is the Vaccine Equity Initiative dashboard, and you notice that I've filtered it for Methuen. So that probably a little hard to read in the audience, but you can see that the yellow bar at the top is the state average, and the blue bar is Methuen. And you can see that between um, the first dose on the left and the fully vaccinated, Methuen is a full 10% off the state average. Right, and, and and so that's something that we got to continue to watch. And the part B is that we haven't made significant progress since June. Right, so we we were, if you think back to the April May timeframe, we were banging people through vaccinations left and right, and then uh, the Jensen freeze happened, and kind of the wheels came off the wagon. And now we've got lots of people kind of adopting either I'm not vaccinated or wait and see mode. 
and that is your privilege as a citizen. But I guess, uh, I, you know, what I'd say to you is, what I say every week, I've, you know, I've got um, two kids who are health compromised. I've made sure they're vaccinated, right? Uh, everybody I love is vaccinated because to me the risk is far outweighed by the reward, right? And so, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say there's no risk to getting vaccinated, but there's, uh, uh, if you look at the numbers and the impact on people that are vaccinated and the, the less seriousness of the consequences when people get vaccinated, it's clear that, um, you know, vaccination is, doing, is making headway, right? So somehow we've got to get our, our Methuen number up. We're... We're 10% off the first vaccination. So we're at 59.7% fully first vaccinated, excuse me, against almost 70% for the state. And we're at 53 against 63 fully vaccinated. Those numbers, we, we've got to increase those, right? And again, I'm going to urge you, call the Department of Public Health. Call, call Felix Zemmel. Call on the city nurse, Nancy Zabo. They will be happy to talk to you. They're not going to force you to get the vaccine, all right? But a reminder that if you're not vaccinated and you're going into public places, that there's a new new guideline from CDC and Department of Public Health at the state level that says you really ought to be masking, all right? So um, there's that. All right, so uh, I'll take a quick look at the questions before we go to my man anomalous is back. The best way to understand the mass mandates isn't to think it is flip-flopping and changing their minds. It's like the fasten seatbelt light on every commercial airplane in the country. When turbulence calls for it, the light goes on. Sit down, buckle up. When conditions are steady, you're free to move out the cabin. That's a really great analogy. Yeah. He says he analogy. can't take credit for it as well. In that case you didn't know, we have some intelligent people watching this program. So, All right, excellent, excellent. Um, all right. So Bonnie Brown said we have to remember those vaccinated early, January, February, liking lose some of their immunity. Need boosters soon. Masks are a good idea for them. Great point, Bonnie. Appreciate you putting that in. All right. So I am uh, thrilled not only to be joined by Ed McMahon, uh, but to be joined by, oh, oh, the Carnac. Uh, we're showing our age by doing that. He's laughing, but he's probably not old enough to remember. Oh, absolutely not. Um, I barely remember. We have uh, Barry Noon. Did I say that right? Yes. Who's the acting di uh, district director for Northeast Massachusetts Mosquito Control and Wetlands Management District. And are you Kimberly? I am. Kimberly Foss, who's the entomologist. I want to ask you what that means. That's beyond a mayor's pay grade. Uh, but I'm sure you're going to explain it. So welcome to the program. Thank you for having um, We'll be interrupting you regularly with questions from the audience. Mosquitoes are a big thing in Methorn. Yep. Right? Uh, especially with the kind of season we're having, right? And I, I don't know a lot, but I, I, we visited the council and I visited a neighborhood that um, we had a beaver issue. The beavers created a dam. The dams created other problems. Um, all of that kind of sinks together. We've got that problem in a number of spots in the city. That coupled with the amount of rainfall that we got in the month of July are not good recipes, I don't think. No, but no. Record-breaking. Yeah. Record-breaking. So. It's been quite a year. It has been. So, so, you know, before we take it through a site, anything that you guys want to say, you know, 
uh, specific to mosquito management or wetlands management that, you know, if, if everybody forgets all the slides when you're done, Barry, what do you want them to remember? Um, I would say personal protection is really um, just like when you talked about COVID-19 and the mask. Yeah. Um, EPA approved um, repellents, long sleeves, um, timing, dusk, dawn, when you're going to be out. All of those things that you can do to protect yourself are more important than us larviciding, adulticiding, spraying for mosquitoes. Protecting yourself is the one of the most is the most important thing. Yeah. yeah, and that's one of the things we try to push um, the most. Yeah, you and are going to talk about spraying at some point, though. Yes, right? we will. Absolutely. You know, I get asked that question almost weekly, especially this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's go through your slides. So uh, uh, we're not going to read the. Where's my man? Did he leave? So um, okay, let's let's take us through some of these slides and what Absolutely. you want to talk about because Kim's Kim needs a way over my head. Right. Next slide. Yeah. So we just want to make a statement. Early on this year, there was a media announcement that across several forms of media that PFAS was an issue for pesticides. Um, what it was was basically these PFAS are per and polyfluoroalkali substances that are found in plastics, not in pesticides. Yep. So uh, these PFAS are not in an active or um, inert ingredient in pesticides. But either way, we had the state come over to our facility and they tested all our pesticide products for anything that contained PFAS. We had no positive findings, but what we did was all the manufacturers of our products took all our containers, took everything back, repackaged it in non-PFAS containers, yep. and shipped it back to us. So That's everything great. we've been using this year is PFAS-free. Great. Great. Fantastic. Keep going. Next one. Okay. So this is kind of a going over, going to go over a little bit of history with uh, Triple E yeah, and viruses. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is kind of the fun part. Well, because this is, uh, you know, we were doing a show last year. We talked about uh, the high school graduating class. They, the two years before they, they had um, West Nile, then they had um, you know, the, the, yep, the fall, yeah, the fall of 2019. We had, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a huge, yeah. huge uh, issue yeah. with every, pretty much everyone in the yeah. state. Um, so. Just to kind of remind people that both viruses, West Nile and Tripoli, <clears throat> naturally circulate in bird populations. And mosquitoes' part in this is they will feed on infected birds and then feed on other birds and amplify the virus. So they make more birds. So you may have a couple birds come up that are, might be positive or they're here already with West Nile or Tripoli. And then you get these certain mosquitoes that feed on those birds and then go feed on other birds and then they make more bird population for these viruses. And then later in the season, we have other mosquitoes. So Massachusetts has anywhere from 51 to 53 different kinds of mosquitoes, if you can imagine that. Uh -huh. It's not just one. So these other mosquitoes that bite birds and people, or mammals, will feed on the infected birds and then transmit it to people. So, it's, they be, so even though mosquitoes are a vector for these viruses, they can become bridge vectors of virus to people. We're not part of that chain, but yeah. we can suffer the effects of the viruses. Yeah. So 2019 was a banner year for Tripoli in Massachusetts. The state had a total of 428 positive mosquito samples, nine domestic animal cases, and that could be horses, goats. Uh, they had one deer and 12 human cases. 
Risk levels for Tripoli were increased in Essex, Barnstable, Bristol, Hampton, Middlesex, Norfolk, Plymouth, and Worcester counties. Pretty much widespread throughout the, the state. West Nile was also present in 2019 with 87 mosquito samples and three human cases. Um, The most recent outbreak year in Massachusetts was 2012 with seven confirmed human cases. Now, Methuen has had eight triple E positive mosquito samples and 18 positive West Nile samples in 13 years. 2009 was the most active triple E year with six positive mosquito samples. In the same year, right over the state line, New Hampshire had declared a public health threat due to high triple E activity. Now, it seems like this area of our county pretty much is in line with what New Hampshire gets mm-hmm. for their triple E cases and activity for those years. In 2019, our district saw its first positive triple E mosquito sample from Andover and Boxford, then we received notification of a triple E infected domestic animal in Methuen, which raised the risk level from, uh, from low to high. And we set up, so what the district did is once we get that positive notification, we hope that it comes in mosquitoes first. Yeah. We have historic traps that are set up in 32 communities that we have, and those historic traps are known to usually pick up either West Nile or Tripoli in the mosquitoes that we have tested weekly. So this time... Are those traps set up now? Yes, they run every week. Okay. Yep. And they're in undisclosed locations. Could be my backyard. Could Could be. Um, but out of those traps, uh, we ended up not getting a hit in Methuen. We ended up getting a notification of a mammal instead. So what that caused us to do was set up supplemental trapping. And I'll go through that in a slide. But our supplemental traps are set up in the event we have something outside our historic trap. <clears throat> and we want to see if we can pick it up. And those traps are set in places that we know we might pick up some sort of mosquito. So after we did that, we ended up getting a hit of mosquitoes in Methuen, and we subsequently set up two spraying events, block area spraying. We don't like to do citywide, so we like to target an area and deal with that area first and see if we can contain it. So in that case, we did um, one spray which was east of I-93 and one which was all of west of I-93. And after that, we, um, after these block adult deciding events, there were no other Triple E findings in Methuen. Uh, we did also assisted in public health communications with Methuen and uh, to residents, and we did planning with the Board of Health for cancellation and delays of fall events, which were sports and Halloween, because we ended up having really warm, unseasonable weather at the fall of that year. And even though we stopped testing and um, sending po- uh, results into the lab, we still were worried about what we were going to see for the end of the year. Please don't take Halloween away. <laughs> well, I guess I want to follow up on that because, so, you know, obviously the mayor started the, the show off with COVID numbers and about precautions, and then you as well mentioned, hey, take those precautions, put on sleeves. If there wasn't any positive mosquitoes found after that incident with the domesticated animal, why were these events just canceled or postponed? Like Friday night football was po- pushed to Saturdays, no Halloween all night tagging activities were canceled. Why are why are those protocols put in place if there aren't any? If there doesn't seem to be any more positive te- tests in the community? Well, even if you're not getting it, it doesn't mean it isn't there. So these same thing. You know, when we use other things like wearing a mask, just because you wear a mask when you go in someplace and there is no COVID in the building or at that workplace, doesn't mean it isn't there. It just means someone isn't sick or they're they're not presenting. So that's kind of like with West Nile and Tripoli. 
when we have risk levels, the risk levels are done throughout areas. <clears throat> and even if there isn't any positive findings, <clears throat> one positive finding changes the risk level, and then two changes it more, and et cetera, et cetera. And we try as a district to alleviate some of the risk. Yep. But once they categorize the areas of risk, that means that even if we're not getting that mosquito or someone doesn't get sick or they don't present, it doesn't mean it isn't there. So wearing the protection of repellent gives you that extra layer of protection in case you find that one mosquito. And, and the later in the season you have less mosquitoes, but the virus load on those mosquitoes is a lot higher it's because they've been biting and biting. So the myth is a mosquito may bite and die after it doesn't. A mosquito can bite, lay eggs, and go bite and bite and bite and bite. So the older the mosquito is, the more infective it could be with a virus. And some mosquitoes end up having more than one virus, so they can be co-infected with other viruses. And back to one point quickly on when, when we go in and we set up our traps and, and we're basically hunting down where we think the positive hit came from the mosquito and we do our target sprays and we feel confident in what we do, we give that information to the Mifuwin Board of Health and, as, and getting back to your question as in why were those then canceled, that would, they could take our professional opinion on what, how we did and what we think. We don't make predictions, but then they will make those decisions for the town, um, you know, canceling, canceling things or not, yep. you know. Um, they may take our, you know, best advice, but we would never make that decision for a town. So it's the individual towns that make, cities and towns that make the just. The decision what they're going to do when it comes to nighttime events after yes. receiving the data and Absolutely. information from your organization. Yep. It's good to know. Yeah, Thank we're you. like consultants, if, yeah. if you yeah. want to think of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we got a couple um, spraying questions. I'm going to hold them until we start That's talking yes. more we'll about spraying, right? So yep. I just want the people to know they're co it's, coming. it's coming. I'm not ignoring you. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Next slide. So I'm not an epidemiologist, which is a study of viruses and diseases. I'm an entomologist, which, to answer your question, is the study of insects. So, but I'm going to give a little bit of virus symptoms. Now, West Nile and Tripoli are kind of virus. They're, they're, they're generic viruses like other viruses. You have common symptoms that show, you know, basically we kind of um, tell people that if you have fever, chills, dizziness, general feeling of flu-type things, you need to go to a physician because it could be numerous mosquito or tick diseases or other human-related viruses. Um, but Eastern equine encephalitis was identified as a human disease in 1938, and West Nile has been present in the United States since 1999. Uh, Tripoli is rare, but it's about serious neuroinvasive disease that causes meningitis and encephalitis, which to people who don't know, it's the swelling of the lining of the brain. This often results in death or severe disability. Uh, West Nile infection is more common. It's less severe. Um, presentation varies in different ways, and you can even have both of these and not even present at all. You can just be a carrier and get over it just like a common flu. Um, there are other viruses that can be transmitted by mosquitoes. These are just two of the most common and the ones the state lab tests for. But there are also viruses in our area, such as Jamestown Canyon. There's St. Louis encephalitis, lacrosse encephalitis, as well as other infections, lesions that can be caused from either scratching a mosquito bite or getting a mosquito bite. Uh, and some people can have allergic reactions. So that's why we add, you know, for health and, dis and human comfort. Yeah. 
Uh, mosquitoes can not only affect human health, but it also causes a great deal of mental health stress. Right now, we have a lot of mosquitoes on the coastal areas and in woodlands near swamps. Just going out there, even with repellent sometimes, can cause just like irritation. People cancel weddings. They can cancel barbecues, um, picnics, sports, just because they're getting bit all the time. Yeah, sure. Um, next slide. So here's a big thing on prevention. Barry hit a lot of it. So try to avoid mosquito bites. Wear repellent, and we, stru we stress the EPA-registered repellents. They are the ones that work and the ones that they can actually make statements that work for West Nile and Tripoli and Lyme disease, which is a tick-borne disease. Uh, be aware of mis peak mosquito hours. Salt marsh mosquitoes are daytime biters, and they affect you directly on the marsh areas or near the marsh areas, uh, salt marsh coastal regions. Here, if you're in the woods and you know there's wetlands nearby, <coughs> wear repellent, same thing. Anytime you're outdoors recreating, Clothing, Barry mentioned, um, proper attire. Mosquito-proof your home, which in the, ne the next slide that we'll get to, you can show places, and this is a good little kid's activity to have them go out and search for areas. But uh, protect your animals. So there are vaccinations available for Triple E, for Eastern Equine Encephalitis. They use booster shots to protect your horses. Um, and a lot of uh, people who raise horses will keep their horses vaccinated every year with boosters. Next slide. So there's all kinds of places to find mosquito breeding around your home, especially when it's wet like this. So any containers, like abandoned, <laughs> abandoned pools, like yeah. um, gutters, especially if you have trees surrounding your home, the leaves will fill up, and, and not only does it cause stress to your home, but it can build mosquito breeding. Um, pretty much anywhere that has tarps, boats, toys, pet dishes, uh, yeah. bird baths is a big one. Yep. I actually came across a unique one, which when you think about it, isn't that unique. I just was the first complaint I'd heard of it is uh, people watering their lawns. And they were complaining about mosquitoes. And we were getting the same call in the same area. And I'm going out there, and it's beautifully paved and perfect-looking lawn. And I just happened to be there, and I watched the sprinkler system come up and start watering the lawn. But it was overwatering the lawn. And it was causing standing water where the lawn met the hot top. And the mosquitoes were breeding in that line. And they were causing their own breeding. So there's a million different ways. And, and another thing we like to tell is the top of a bottle cap upside down can hold a hundred mosquito larvae. Ooh. So when you think of that times, you know, yeah. your, your gutters, all the houses, trash, containers, tires, you name it. You know, it's it's a big it's a big problem. Yeah. So 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 one of the questions I'm going to get into it. So one of the questions is, um, you know, companies are now starting to offer um, private. So I live um, out towards the Haverhill, Salem, New Hampshire section of town, heavily wooded. Mm -hmm. So all around my house is woods, right? And so I'm. I'll be honest. I'm looking, and I see all these companies that do fogging and spraying, and I'm not talking about the state now. I'm talking about private mm -hmm. companies and insect, right? So I have my home done for. Uh, I'm allergic to bees. I have my home done for bees and for, you know, mice and ants and things like that. Well, one of the new features they're offering is they'll. I'm going to say this wrong, but fog fog your yard. Let's say, yeah, right. 
And so what my mind is struggling with, and some people were giving me an opinion on social media the other day, is does that work if you're in a, um, you know, a heavily wetland wooded area? Is that, is that going to work at all? So we don't I know what works use, for so. us, and yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah. When it comes to the private companies, they're held to a different standard than we are. And we're actually not allowed to comment on what they do or how they yep. fog yards. Yeah. So I, I, that's about all we can say about that. Okay. Um, because we are heavily regulated by the EPA, we are held to uh, a yep. lot higher standards on that. Yep. But when we get to what we do for spraying or adult deciding or barrier treatments, I will then comment okay. on what we can do. Yeah, I was going to say, I was gonna, my follow-up was going to be because it was on the thread. When you... In 2019, the trucks came around the neighborhoods. That's right. And did the spraying. So, like, what is the shelf life on what, you know? So, so quickly, the, that would be what we call adult deciding. Okay, that's going to kill any adult flying mosquito at time of application, and it will dissipate in, within five minutes. When we did, like, Ranger Stadium and the parks and fields, that was a barrier application that we did to the foliage with a sticking agent that would last up to 90 days. The mosquitoes come out of the woods, they land on where we treated the, the vegetation, and they then die. So those, those are the two differences. Okay. On, on what we do, on what the private mosquito controls do, uh, companies, I, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're, we're, we're going to come back to that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So keep going. You got a schedule next? Okay, so next schedule. So that's pretty much what residents can do <clears throat> against, you know, for, to fight off mosquitoes. And I'm going to go over now what we do as a district for uh, making sure that we can help reduce risk from mosquito-borne illness and pestiferous actions. So basically people ask us all the time, what do you guys do in the winter? <laughs> you know, I mean, we're a year-round agency that does year-round stuff. Well, we do a lot. They ask me that too. So. <laughs> they go, what do you guys do in the winter? So, you know, basically in the summer we do larviciding, adult deciding, resident requests, we do tire events, we do wetland uh, modification, we do hand ditch maintenance, um, all kinds of things. In the winter, we still do ditch maintenance, we'll still do larviciding and mosquito control because two of our mosquito species are winter mosquitoes. They're as larvae in the, in the stage during the winter. One of them is, a, is the triple E vector, yeah. and the other one is a cattail mosquito. Yeah. So these mosquitoes stay all winter long as larvae, and they don't freeze. They go in kind of a dormant state, but they're there. So we can find them, and we can treat them, and so we reduce the overall um, risk in the spring when yep. mosquitoes come out and bite infected birds. So we try to cut the risk down before. Yep. We'll work more on prevention. Yep. And um, we do wetland maintenance. We do education events. Um, paperwork, <laughs> lots and lots, lots, of, and lots paperwork. of paperwork, yeah. you know, new permitting, things like that. So we keep busy year-round. So uh, a good thing that we look at for our district is we rely on best management practices and integrated pest management. So not only do we rely on the use of pesticides, but we rely on things that aren't pesticide-related. We use biological controls, which are bacterium. I'll go over that product in a moment. Uh, of course, we do our chemical controls, which is our deciding and our barrier treatments. A lot of physical controls, which is our education, outreach, property management, wetland management, tire removal, and uh, 
that type of thing. And then education outreach, what we're doing today. We do a lot of PowerPoint presentations to boards of health. We do a lot of resident things. We pass out, every time we do a resident request, we pass out a nice little notice that we've been there with ways they can prevent mosquitoes around their home. So it's bright yellow, they can see it, and they know that we've been to their house to do you know, the request. So there's all kinds of things. So we use an integrated approach. Next slide. So um, like I was talking about before, our arborvirus surveillance program covers 32 municipalities that are subscribing to the district. All 32 communities, even if we do something in one community and we do something in another community, we look at it as, a, as an umbrella approach because mosquitoes don't know town boundaries. So when we do surveillance through these towns, we have traps set up and we have different traps for different types of mosquitoes that we want to trap and collect. But we look at this whole thing as a district approach. We can't do something in Methuen and not expect to have an effect in another bordering community. So the more subscribing municipalities we have, the better we are at trying to reduce risks from mosquitoes. Next round. So you'll see here a map that we have, and each dot on that map represents a trap that we have. And each trap is collected every week, and a lot of those are historic sites. And the reason we have historic sites is because we're able to look at the differences between mosquitoes we collect from any given year to a next, so we can make our own in-house predictions, which we don't like to tell people that we predict. But we also use that to look back on previous years and see what differences there were in habitats, mosquitoes, look at climate change, weather patterns, all these different things. And each week when I look at mosquitoes, I'm able to say to, the, to our other crew members to go out and do certain tasks because we can see so, this. So does somebody pick up from these traps every week? Yes. yes. So this, this says there's three traps in Methuen, two reds and a green. Yep. Right. Um, I'm good. I was I excelled at colors in primary school. So, um, so somebody comes out and checks those. So we do every uh, every week, twice a week. We do trap collections all over the county, okay. and we we do them early in the week so that we can get the mosquito samples to Kim. Kim can then identify those. Yeah. Uh, put ID them the way the way she's been taught and trained, and then we get them to. DPH in Boston as quickly as possible so we know what's going on every week in the district as so a regional approach. how quickly would, would the mayor with the DPH and Methuen know if there was something? So you, you're saying you're doing this now. I want to make sure. I'm right. Correct, so right? Mondays and Tuesdays we collect from the traps. Yep. So Monday I wait for them to come in with those batches. I ID them that afternoon and get them pooled and ready. And, and again, I have to maintain a uh, frozen environment. So they're at minus 70 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's super cooled. They're dry ice type yep. cold. Um, the virus stays dormant kind of with cold. It doesn't deteriorate. And then on Tuesday, the second batch goes out. They collect those. I hurry up and ID those, and I get them to the lab. I send them to shipping. 3.30 Tuesday, so that's like 5,000 mosquitoes are ID'd by 3.30 on Tuesday. And then the DPH gets our containers with our pools Wednesday morning. They put them through the process of the testing, yeah. and results are back Thursday by 11. Okay. So we, it used to be Fridays, but since we brought it up a day, um, now you guys get results on Thursdays, Yeah. which so kind of helps everyone. I'm going to go on and say we, we didn't have any positive test results last week. 
No positive test results. Right? Nothing yet so far. Okay, because my mind is sitting here thinking, I'm, I, I, you know, I get people. So, so, you know, in the environment we're in, where you and I were talking at the beginning, um, heavy, wet July, wetter than I've ever can remember, right? Which seems to be perfect ambiance for mosquitoes. Do you do something? Do, do we do we partner with you as a city municipality and say, hey? You know, we're concerned about this. I, I would assume the rest of the state is, too. Should we be doing something spray-wise or otherwise to kind of address what we know might be coming? I think we we do that personally for Methuen without yeah. really Methuen knowing that we actually do that. Yeah. And, and by doing that, Kim's IDing those type of mosquitoes. We're looking for, um, we know it's rained. Um, while we treated... 5,300 catch basins yeah. a couple of weeks ago in Methuen. You did. Um, we did the whole town in, I think, three and a half, four days. Say, let me stop you for one second. Yeah. Treated. Treated. What does that mean? So uh, what that means is, and I'm skipping forward That's here, okay. Okay. is Sorry. we throw a water-soluble packet with yeah. a pesticide in it that will kill um, the larvae that breed in catch, in catch basins, which have typically led to West Nile virus. Um, we have two products here, um, Vectamax, it's a biological, yep. um, better for no organic, cleaned catch basins, and then Altacid WSP for those heavy organic, dirty catch basins. This will, will do a lot better at killing those larvae than the um, bacterium. So you, you, you hit how many catch basins? 53, 5,354, I think, something okay. like that. That's great. Um, and the reason we know which product to use is we are in constant communication with Methuen DPW, we know yeah. when you're cleaning, when you're not cleaning, what right. side of 93 hasn't been here or there. And I send out our field technicians to um, apply based on those on those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just one thing we do. Um, that's just we, one. That's yeah. one aspect. And while we've got a lot of rain and we're doing catch basins, we're looking for standing water. We're looking for flood water while we're in those communities. So that we can, um, if we do, you know, see standing water, we'll go over and we'll use our dipper, just a, a, a white little cup on a stick, and uh, we've all been trained to ID larva. And if larva's there, we're going to treat it. Um, and so, between the surveillance, doing catch basins, freshwater larva siding, you really start to get and to grow and understand what's happening in each community yeah. and re and regional district wide. Yep. I think that was an important point there, if I could pause you for yep. one second, because I think a lot of people, and maybe, you know, are saying, well, if I don't see spray trucks, we're not really doing anything. And if you see spray trucks, it's a reaction. Right. If we're doing these other things, proactive. it's proactive yeah. Yeah. to cut down on the reactive. Because yep. the proactive approach will always have better results. Yep. Than the reactive approach. It's, it's a lot yeah. easier to treat mosquitoes when they're in the water yeah. before they fly. So yeah. then you can get you know thousands of them yeah, before they you. fly and then they're in the air and then we have to use a reactionary approach. Yeah. Did you have a question, Councilor? No, I, I, no, I'm good. I was just impressed with that. I'm feeling good now. So yeah. Feeling better. <laughs> For a little bit there in the early slides, I was afraid to go outside, but I'm <laughs> feeling better. So. We don't let any mosquitoes in here. There you go. Yeah. Keep them out of the thorn. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, keep going. Sorry, guys. It's all right. So larval surveillance is a very important part, like Barry said, of, of what we do. The adult mosquito surveillance is great, but again, it's some, somewhat, you know, I can see trends in mosquito species, so it, it is more 
predict it is more you know pre- preventative for me yeah to let them know where to go for because each mosquito has its own habitat so i can kind of do that but as far as methuen's concerned or any town that we have our larva larval surveillance is really the key to being preventative yeah um so we do so barry mentioned the catch basins this also includes retention ponds and ditton basins it's any freshwater or saltwater habitat that stays stagnant for seven to 14 days can breed mosquitoes parking lots your lawn all those pictures around the house that that you need to do tires so uh even natural containers rock pools and things you know there's so many times i go on vacation and that's the first thing i run to it sounds kind of nerdy but i I go to a rock pool and i pull out mosquito larvae and see what i can find in there um so pretty much mosquitoes have every habitat that we can think of they're on every continent that that you have they're in cactus they're you know they find a way so there's no such thing as eliminating mosquitoes, but right. we work on reducing. Yep. And, and to touch on one thing she said about um, the, the larval control, uh, since the inception of mosquito control and since Methuen has been part of the district, we have been actively building a historical um, larval uh, um, database of retention ponds, basins, vernal pools, like you name it. We have lists of places... Um, that we go through every spring and, and mid up until around summer um, that our staff goes and checks and either one year it, it's, a, it's a pond that used to breed really bad and we'll go back there next year and it's four houses we take it off the list yeah you know but that's a, an adaptive list that we put into mm-hmm. our field seeker based GPS program um, that we can set reminders to go back to certain lo- uh, locations where we knew they were hot spots. Yep. Somebody asked, and I think you answered this. Yeah. Uh, can you? Do you have a spray as a prevention measure? And I think the answer was no. no. Right? You use the chemicals for lack of better term, exactly. right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we do have one product, and we'll go over it: the barrier treatment that can be used preventatively. But it's a newer right. product that we got a couple of years ago, and we're we're trying to get our schools and parks and rec to be able to apply it. And it's a ninety-day product, but we'll kind of go over that real quick we after. Want it. Hmm? Well, that's what you mentioned. That's what I mentioned. We actually used it back we in uh, 2019 mm-hmm, when we did mm-hmm. all the parks and schools yeah. in the film. We want it. Yeah. Yeah. We want Halloween. It so. <sighs> falls sports. Just okay. don't buy the candy. You know, huh? you know what happens when you buy the candy. <laughs> all right. Keep going. Sorry. Okay. We've got about five minutes left to see. All right. So Barry went over our catch basin larviciding program. It's yep. very important because those mosquitoes are one of the primary biters of infected birds. So yep. those are the mosquitoes we're after to stop the risk of West Nile. Yep. And we're going to get into the next slide for our adult siding. So these are our barrier treatments. And I'll let Barry talk about it really quick. So here we go. Spraying a word I t- typically don't use. It's either uh, barrier treatment which is when we're doing the vegetation around the schools, around the parks, or adult deciding, which is truck-based, ultra-low-volume spraying. And what that is is when the truck goes by half hour after, after uh, sunset, because if we do that, so bees that are foraging will usually be back at their hives, um, and, that, and the label is the law. So uh, we, everything we do is followed by the label. Um, so it's a half hour after sunset, um, the truck will put out a spray that'll give a 300-foot swath and around 30 micron droplets that land on mosquitoes that will kill adult flying mosquitoes at time of application only. Yeah. And, and that's what we do when, you know, when people say, you know, are you guys spraying? 
um, we like to use the term adult deciding. Yeah. And just for reference, I brought a little vial here if anybody can see it. So I don't know if you can zoom in or not, but it might be hard to see. So on this, this is our barrier treatment. So the red liquid, it's just water with food coloring, but with the concentration that we used, this is how much active ingredient, active, is in the treatment of barrier for a football field. That's not a lot. So we don't use a lot to get a lot. Um, These are all new products, and they're competitively redone all the time by by companies because we want stuff that's just as safe to use but does what it's supposed to do. So every year we come up with new stuff. These companies come up with new things with less and less active ingredient that does more and more for us. So, And then we'll do our last slide, which is our ULV truck-based, and I'll let Barry cover that too. So I... I just touched on that with the swath. Uh, half hour after sunset will only kill uh, adult flying mosquitoes at the time. Um, and I don't know if you want to get into the, oh, the, no. the active ingredient. Yep, and then this one's even less. So this is the actual ULV. So in the truck when we spray, it covers 150 feet on either side of the truck. And they drive at about 5 miles an hour. Yep. And this is the amount of active ingredient that comes out of this high it's an ultra low volume atomized dispenser we do it only a half hour after sunset so we don't spray during the day this product Zenovex is only registered for use at night because it reduces pollinator risk and this is the amount of active ingredient that gets done over a football field so if you can envision about an acre and a half that's the only amount of product that we use and again it's only lasts in the air for five to fifteen minutes and then dissipates it has to come in contact with live mosquitoes to be effective. It's not residual, and that's what we used in emergencies last uh, in 2019. We used this kind of on the streets. So gone are the days of everyone chasing the mosquito guy with the fogger down the street, right. riding their bikes. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, and I, you'd be, you would be surprised how often I get asked. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah, so okay. if you have any other questions, we're all set. No, so if so you want to, let me just check to make sure because we got uh, we got Bob LeBlanc asking all kinds of questions there. <laughs> Are all employees vaccinated? If not, why not? Because uh, this is America, Bob. And that's the answer. Um, by the way, mosquitoes are rampant in West Bethune. When are they going to spray? So I don't think he was listening to the okay. presentation. Um, but then he's impressed afterwards. So yeah, when you get and down I will it. say one quick thing about the spraying in Methuen. Methuen's um, BMP that was voted on by the Board of Health yeah. is we only spray in Methuen if there's virus upon Board of Health approval only. Residents are not allowed to call in to have private property spray. Right. Yeah. Just so wanted the Board to of Health clear. would make that call. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, this was great. So, uh, well, are we going to use the barrier treatment again this fall? Absolutely. Just give me a call. We'll schedule it up and get you guys done. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I, I do anything. You know, and I say the hard part is, you know, after COVID and everything that we've kind of given up here, we're trying to preserve some of the things that people love. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so anything I can do to encourage fall sports and Friday nights. and Friday night lights, baby. Yeah. It's important culture. Yeah. Well, I appreciate all the the tons of information. Fifty three hundred fifty four cash bases. That That's was great. good. Yeah. 
That and, was good. And um, we do have a wonderful website. It's yep, very informative, please. covers all this. They can find out state information. We have links directly. We have educational materials, everything. They can go to www.nemassmosquito.org. Yeah, and you can get today's, uh, there it is, there's the website. That's our website. Um, and you can get today's slides if you're interested in them. Uh, you can contact Ryan Hamilton, my office, and he'll get those slides to you. Um, you know, that's important stuff. This was perfect timing for this. I appreciate you guys coming out and sharing your expertise. Absolutely. Uh, I, I open invite to come back sure. some other yeah. time. Absolutely. Take some more follow-up questions. People love to ask you questions. They were enthused and engaged and uh Appreciate having you. Anything you'd like to say signing off? No, thank, thank you very you. much for yeah, having us, you. and it was a pleasure. We're, we're thrilled to have you. Counselor, Ed McMahon. Yeah, just real quick. Um, I know Ryan sent over the slides, but just uh, the Bissonnet Golf Tournament is this coming Monday. Yeah. Um, the support from the community has been overwhelming, yes. to, say the, to say the least. Um, you know, I want to take a moment. You know, Tito's is our platinum sponsor. Um, they're also going to be at Ray Rocks tomorrow night. Yep. So if you're on the golf tournament, if you have a foursome in the golf tournament, there we go. Come by Ray Rocks tomorrow. You can pre-register. So that means you can get all your goodie bags and all that stuff tomorrow night. You can just go straight to your card on Monday. And then also they're going to have all the silent auction items there. So you'll yep. be able to start the bid on like jerseys from DK Metcalf, green monster seats for a Red Sox game, things like that. Um, and then also they'll have... Uh, signature drinks there as well yep. and then the, you can buy raffle tickets for the golf ball full of um, gift cards $1,200 worth of gift cards to local yep. places and then um, a couple other companies as well, Bada Bing of course, once again stepped up there, the corporate best. sponsor yep. Lisa Williams and AFC Urgent yep. Care um, you know, these are these are common, every time the there's an event those yep. are the ones that always step up, we also yep. have Merrimack car wash and laundromat this yep. year and 10 natural nails, so yep. Then you have, you know, Methuen Pop Warner is sponsoring the putting contest, Methuen Great. Youth Lacrosse, Methuen Youth Soccer, Methuen Youth Baseball, all these communities involved. And I have it from a reliable source, the mayor's working the tournament. Oh, where are you working? I have no idea yet. Bring a helmet, because there's a bunch Bryant. of hacks. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, we got a couple quick slides to show before we sign off. Uh, we've got some events coming up that we're going to be talking about. Uh, we, we do have the Bissity Memorial. There's the Saints, the three, Feast of Three Saints, which is in Lawrence, September 4th and 5th. We're going to get some folks on from that on the September 1st show. We're going to have people from the Saints. And the next slide is the Maharajan. Uh, they were in to see me today. Uh, these are important cultural events for our community. Um, a lot of these didn't happen last year. A lot of it didn't happen last year. We're going to try to make sure it does happen this year. So we're going to have guests from both of those uh, groups on the show September 1st. And then the council hit on the Mississippi Memorial Golf Tournament, um, make a contributions for a worthy cause. Right? And, and that's why we're doing it from City yeah. Hall. The mayor's actually taking a vacation day to work the golf tournament. Yeah. Um, so, Hope to see you there. Yeah. Go ahead. So just to follow up, so when, when the Boosters took over the Bisney Golf Tournament, they added a second scholarship. So now there's two scholarships in Mr. Bisney's name, who people who don't know is a teacher at the Mosh who tragically lost his life way too soon. Yep. So, and then also over $150,000 raised by the Boosters since their inception is all went right back to uh, Methuen High School sports, whether it's a sound system that's used at the stadium, um, additional uniforms so they can have third teams, yep. all sorts of stuff. So it's a great organization that I'm proud to be a part of. 
yeah. that just continues to give back to the As high school community. Be. It does a great job. So that's it from here. Uh, Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. In case my son Sean is watching, tomorrow is his 27th birthday. Dad loves you, kid. You're the best. Um, happy birthday, um, Sean. Happy birthday. And we're back here next Wednesday. I believe we have the superintendent back on next Wednesday. So all your school questions, bring them, bring them to the table. In the meantime, God bless you all. Stay healthy and get out and enjoy that vitamin D. Take care and thank you guys for coming on the program. Appreciate it.